Hey, welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today. Hey, this past week we talked about keeping snakes out of your backyard and talked about the garden of your heart, how important it is to manicure the garden and keep it fit, keep it straight so nothing is able to get in. And if something does get in, you can see it right away and deal with it. So I encourage you to press in as you listen to this podcast. Enjoy. I want to have James share something. We, uh, um, James, come on up here, man. We, um, you know, we had we had worship, and God gave me a little bit of a word, and He said He had something that went along with what we were talking about. Go for it. Yeah, it definitely goes within the flow. And uh, Pastor Phil, Pastor Nicole, you guys know me. I don't, I don't. This is something that is bugging me on the inside. So usually, when it bugs me on the inside, I have to act on it. Because uh, I don't like being up in front of a lot of people. I'm very introverted. I have to force myself to do that. But I just want to say something real quick. I think the Lord's laid on my heart. I don't know for who. I think it's for everybody. But as we were doing worship and, and we did a shout. Take him down. Okay, we did a shout. Sometimes it makes you wonder about church, uh, how we do church and stuff like that. And... I read Ezekiel 47 in my quiet time today, and it describes uh, the glory of God. And a lot of times the Holy Spirit is described in terms that we know, like a dove or uh, Jesus described him as, you know, rivers of living water flowing out of him. And so my, what I really want to share is today, and I know the Spirit was on me as I was worshiping, I could just feel his presence very powerfully. But Ezekiel 47 talks about a river. And a lot of times, how many of you guys know that when you're in the river, a lot of times it's dependent upon us to press in. You understand where I'm going there? And in Ezekiel 47, some of us, we're in the ankle deep water. And as the Spirit of God told Ezekiel to measure out a little bit more, we come up to the waist. And he said, I want you to measure a little bit more, Ezekiel. And it got to the point to where it was such a large glory river that it was overtaking Ezekiel. Yeah. And I just wanted to invite you to reflect upon what would church look like? I really loved when you said that shout. Let's do that shout because that's not in the norm of, of, of church methods and things. That's not in the norm. But a lot of us need to do that. And when I speak to you, I speak to myself too. You understand where I'm coming from. And so church as usual, breakthrough as usual, is probably going to start coming from the most unexpected of places that you've ever been. Does that make sense? And so there's a a word that's going to go forth. And in Jewish culture, the highest form of worship is delivering the word, studying the word. That doesn't diminish the worship because that got me powerfully this morning. And I'm not one to just come up. I, I just don't do that. God's really got to really hit me hard to do that. But if I don't give this word, someone's going to be robbed. And I, I, I'm very appreciative to Pastor Nicole and Pastor Phil to allow me to share, you know, because I didn't want to do it. I was just, I don't want to do this. I don't want to ask Pastor Phil. It's his time. It's not my time. But I want to invite you to, to consider what would it look like if the Holy Spirit just arrested you? And the word that keeps coming to me, and I think it's for Zach too tonight, wherever Zach's at. Where are you at, Zach? I think the word that's coming to me for, for tonight, and I don't do this a lot, is reckless abandon. Yeah. 
pursuing God with a reckless abandon that you've never done before and what that looks like. Because right now, Pastor Phil's gonna give a word and that word is gonna hit some of you right here at the ankle, it's gonna hit some of you right here at the waist, and some of you, it's gonna rock your world. But you need to pay attention because, <laughs> because our humanness, it's about five or 10 minutes and then we check out. We check out, that's just being part of human. So I would encourage you as he brings forth the word today in spirit and in power to grab hold of what the Holy Spirit has for you today. He don't know what that is, but you know what it is. And the Spirit's gonna to speak to you. And with that, I pass. Praise God, thank you. Well, I think I just changed your patch, sorry. Man, thank you for your, thank you for your, uh, your humility and your willingness to do that, James. Man, it's only in the times of uncomfortability when we step out that we really see God do a big thing in people's lives, isn't it? Well, you guys are looking good. It's good to see everybody. I'm so excited because I see, I see a couple that's newly engaged. Congratulations, guys. That's awesome. We're so excited. Would you turn in your Bibles this morning? If you have them, turn over to Joshua. And then as you're doing that, take your other hand, put it on your heart and say this after me this morning, would you? Say this, Heavenly Father, I'm asking you for ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what you have for me in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Joshua chapter seven. Let me set this up this morning because I have an interesting word for you this morning, but I believe it's a word from heaven. And in... In Joshua chapter 7, just before that, you remember the Israelites, they come out of Egypt. We talked a little bit about Jericho and how they brought them into Jericho. God gave them the plan for Jericho to walk around the city uh, for six days in a row and then on the seventh day walk around seven times and give a big shout. And then the walls came down as Nicole described and they came in, they had an amazing victory. And so in the promised land, all of these different nations, all of the people that live throughout this land they're all nervous and fearful because here come the Israelites. These are the same Israelites that were delivered from Egypt. He brought all the plagues on Egypt. They, these are the same Israelites that walked across the Red Sea on dry ground and God delivered them from Pharaoh and his army. These are also the same Israelites that have already destroyed two other kingdoms and here they are knocking on the door of Jericho and then they destroy Jericho. And you remember, you remember Rahab when the spies came in to spy out Jericho, they stayed with Rahab and she was a harlot. And Rahab said, listen, we're all fearful because of you because we know how God has delivered you. We know what he's done. Let me tell you, the enemy can come to a place where he begins to be fearful of you because he's seen what God has done in you and through your willingness to believe what God said. Man, when we believe what God says and then we see a victory in our life, it gives us confidence, doesn't it? Man, when you win something and you have a win under your belt, it gives you confidence going into the next fight. Now, unfortunately, this is kind of where the Israelites were because the Israelites had confidence coming in to the next city, which was AI, or however you say it in their language, okay? I'm gonna call it AI for, because 
I'm, that's what I know to call it. So in verse one, let's read together chapter seven. It says, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Now, what does that mean? That means that God said, Jericho belongs to me, all of it. So what I want you to do is I want you to destroy everything in Jericho, the buildings, the people, the livestock, the gold, the silver, the clothing, anything that's valuable in that city, destroy it completely and utterly. And that was the instructions before they went in. So they were unfaithful regarding the devoted things, meaning that they did not destroy everything. Achan of the tribe of Judah took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. So notice that Achan's the one that did something wrong and God's anger is burning against all of Israel as a result of it. If you ever wonder decisions that you make affect other people, There's a good answer for you. And so it says in verse two, now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. He told them go and to spy out the region. So the men went up and they spied out Ai. And when they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army needs to, you know, you need to have, they don't all need to go up against Ai. Just send two or 3,000 men and don't worry um, and do not weary the entire army. Uh, for only a few people are there. So he sent about 3,000 men and they went up and they, and they were routed by the men of Ai. Here are the men of Ai come out and they fight them. And they didn't expect that. And so they killed about 36 of the Israelites and the hearts of the people melted with fear. And it says, then Joshua tore his clothes and they fell down face down on the ground. Now here's an interesting thing because coming into Jericho, Joshua prayed and asked God, what's the plan? What's the battle strategy? Because what I've discovered in my life is not every battle strategy is the same for every battle that you're in. They all change. They're a different battle. My mom's battle was not the same battle when, when, we, pray, when we were praying for my dad and believing for him and, and other battles. I've had to approach them differently. And so they didn't ask, Lord, what do we do? What's the battle strategy? And so they just went ahead, ah, you know, there's not very many people down there. Because that's what happens sometimes when we get a win under our belt. We think, Oh, you know, I've, done, I've been here before. Got the t-shirt, done this, I know what to expect. And then you walk into the next battle and you're blindsided. Whoa, what happened? And then you wind up like a new cow at a new gate. And so sometimes, and sometimes instead of just rushing right in and praying for someone, sometimes we need to ask God, Lord, what's the strategy? How do you want me to pray for this person? What is it that you want me to do this time? Because this is what we did last time, but I know last time may not be exactly what you want us to do this time. And then in verse 10, so Joshua tore his clothes and he fell down on the ground. In verse 10, it says, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up, what are you doing (laughs) down there on your face? Israel has sinned. So this is a very simple thing with God. God is saying, no, this, is, this thing is not complicated. It's very simple. Israel has sinned. And so let's read the next verse in verse 12. It says, that is why Israel cannot stand against their enemies. They turned their backs and they had to run because they have been made liable to destruction. And I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever is among you that was devoted to destruction. So he said this, he said, go and consecrate the people. Tell them uh, to consecrate yourselves for preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there are the devoted things among you, Israel, and you cannot stand against your enemy until you remove them. Pay attention to that phrasing. You can't 
go any further. You can't have success until you get rid of the very thing that was supposed to be devoted, dedicated to me. And so in the morning, present yourselves as tribes. So this is interesting to me because Achan, the one that took the stuff, he was the one that disobeyed. He's the reason that 36 men are dead. Part of the reason, the other reason they didn't pray, they didn't seek God. God would have told them. He said in another place in this same chapter, he said, I would have told you that, that there was sin in the camp. And so, but notice this, Achan, he went to all the people and he told them, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow you're going to stand before God. Achan heard that. He's part of the people. So I'm sure he heard Joshua say that. So he's still not coming clean. And then in verse 16, it says early in the morning, Joshua had Israel come before in tribes. The tribe of Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward. And then the Zerahites are chosen. And then the clan of the Zerahites come forward. And all this time, Achan is not stepping up. He's not letting them know. It was me. It was me. But he wants this whole thing to play out. Sometimes sin, we think, can stay hidden. Wow. And so it says, then Joshua, in a, so it winds up being Achan. In verse 19, Joshua says to Achan, he said, my son, tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, it's true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Finally, the hidden thing is exposed. And this is what I have done. And he begins to explain to Joshua all the things that he did. So I have a couple of questions before I get into the, really the meat of my message. And that's this, is are you holding on to things that were supposed to be devoted to destruction? And then secondly, my second question is, are those things preventing us from entering the promise that God has for us? Because sometimes I pray and answers come and I see miracle signs and wonders in my life. And when I pray and I don't see miracle signs or wonders, I, I don't know about you, but I begin to look inside. God, what's going on? Do I, do I just need to be more patient? Need to have more faith? Or is there something hidden on the inside of me that needs to be revealed so that it can be dealt with? So that I can see that answer in my life and I can see that miracle, that sign, that wonder. Does that make sense to everyone? So my wife and I, a month ago, we bought a new house. We moved in and we're in this house and this house has shrubbery all around it. The house is 14 years old, so the shrubbery is 14 years old. And so it has gotten very large. And Nicole and I, we're, we don't like large shrubbery unless it's really well manicured. We like little shrubbery, <laughs> muy poquito, you know, pretty stuff that you can see through, stuff you can see behind. And so anyway, so Nicole gets out in the courtyard and there's all this shrubbery in the courtyard and she decides, she tells me I'm just going to uh, trim back this one bush. Well, definition for a married guy, been married 29 years, that defined to me means I'm taking out everything because that's what's going to happen. So she trims this little bush and then she looks over here and goes, hmm, I'm going to work on that one too. So she begins to trim these bushes back, but what she finds is some of them are so big that the, the base of the bush is huge. And so I gave her, she wanted a chainsaw for Mother's Day. Imagine that. So I bought her a chainsaw. So now she's out there, go get me my chainsaw. So now she is sawing these bushes. And literally, you know, we're, now they're down to the stump, 
you know, and later, now we've got a guy that's coming that's going to take the stumps out because we don't have an engine hoist to get stumps out. I don't know. But anyway, so, and so she's trimming all of these bushes. Well, against the wall of the house, there's five different bushes, all these different bushes. She starts to take them out one by one. She gets to the last bush and I'm, I went around the corner to the garage and I hear her yell, Phil, there's a snake. Because what's happened? We've taken away the snake's home, and he has nowhere else to go. He has to reveal himself. Wow. So I decided to start doing some research. How do you prevent snakes? What are some good ways to prevent snakes from coming in my yard? What are some good ways? And so I began to do some research. And so with that, the title of my message is How to Keep Snakes Out of Your Backyard. So I'm gonna, let me give you a few of these things because these are some things, they're, they're practical things and they actually have to do with snakes, but I wanna correlate them this morning to our heart because we have shrubbery in our heart. You know, and, and shrubbery can hide different things if it's not manicured. And so that's number one. Is number one, you eliminate hiding places. You eliminate hiding places. You keep trees, bushes trammed up off the ground. Now, uh, grass, mowing your grass, that's not a proven way to necessarily keep snakes out of your yard. But what it does is when the grass is low, you can see them more easily. See, when you manicure your heart, and you keep the shrubbery of your heart trimmed back to where you can see through it, see beyond it, see behind it, and the grass is short, and you can see anything that tries to sneak in the garden of your heart. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so I, I found a scripture in Proverbs 28, verse 13. It says this, and I want to read it to you in a translation called The Voice. I don't know if you've ever read The Voice before, but it's a cool translation. It says, whoever tries to hide his sin will not succeed. But the one who confesses his sin and leaves them, uh, and, and leaves them behind will find mercy. Confesses it, leaves it behind. Uh, a friend of mine is a wonderful businessman, and, a, and he lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so Or Roberts University called him and asked him if he would come and do a class with the students, with the business school students. And he said, yeah, I'd be honored to do that. And so what he did was he had all of the students meet him at a location where there was a big strip mall and there were all these different businesses in the strip mall. And so they were out in the parking lot and he said to the students, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell me in five years why, what businesses are still gonna be here in five years and why? And then I also want you to tell me in five years what businesses won't be here and why? My first question was, is one of them named Radio Shack? I can tell you why. No, I'm teasing. Uh, Blockbuster, I can tell you why. No. And so it was all these different businesses. And so he said to me, he said, Phil, he was telling me about this. And he said, Phil, you know what the first sign is that a business is not doing well? I said, no. He said, their maintenance. Maintenance goes out the window. He said, it's the first thing to go. And he said, so if you ever see a business that maintenance is being let go, it, you know, they may not be doing very well. Well, what's the first sign that your heart's in a poor condition? Your, your lawn's not being manicured. 
The garden of your heart is not being manicured in such a way that it's beautiful. It's overgrown and it provides places for sin to hide because sin always had to, has to hide behind something. It's like that snake in that bush. We didn't see that snake in there. So I told my son, I said, hey, go get me the, go get me the rake. So he brought me the rake. You know, that's a snake tool, isn't it? It's not really, we thought it was for gardening, but it's really a snake tool, I think. And so, so I'm trying to grab this snake and he's slithering out of it because his head's not big enough, thank God. It wasn't a triangle head. And so, you know, he's trying to get, in fact, I think I have a picture of the snake. Do we have a picture of the snake? Oh, they did show it? Oh, it was on behind me. Okay, never mind. I wasn't, I didn't see it on, I can't see it on the screen up here. Um, so anyway, so I'm trying to get the snake. Well, the snake goes up into the bush and he curls around, you know, the bush. Well, with the rake, I was able to get down in there in the bush and get the pieces back and, and I wrapped him around my rake and we were able to get him. I, I just wanted to finish that story. So, all right, so moving on. <laughs> but sin always has to have something to hide, to hide behind. Let's talk for a moment about offense because offense has to have a list of grievances to hide behind. It has to have a list of grievances to justify its existence. Uh, how many of you are old enough to remember S&H green stamps? S&H, remember that? Yeah, it was a great store. And I remember as a kid, we would go to the store and mom would buy all the groceries and, they, and she got a book and then she would get so many stamps, right, for everything that she bought. And then we as the kids, we got to lick the stamps and put them in the book. Well, this is what offense is like. You come to a new place, let's say it's a church, I don't know, and you come to a new place and something happens that you don't like, oh, there's one. Something else happens, oh, I didn't like, there's, there's another one. And what happens? You fill up your book and you get to where you only have one stamp left and then final something, finally you find something else because what I've found is when you're looking for stuff that's wrong, you can find it. Doesn't matter how well we do church. I mean, you can find something wrong. You wouldn't believe some of the comments just with posts that we do. It's a post of worship. And you read, one guy said, you see those lyrics on the screen? Oh, you guys need to run away from this place. And I went, what? They glorify God. Man, what's wrong with the lyric? I'm sorry. It's not my job. To, but what is that? It's a stamp. And so they put that final stamp in there. Something finally happens. They put that final stamp in there. And they said, close their book. And they say, that's it. And S&H green stamps, when you had enough in your book, you took it back to the store and you got a toaster or something, something free. But in this case, you don't get something free. You take offense. See, because offense is not given. Offense is taken. I receive it. I take it. I, I take offense at that, you know? And then you have this list of grievances and the sin can hide behind it. And so, man, exposure has to happen. See, the bushes need to be taken out. The bushes need to be trimmed back so that we can catch the snake. Amen. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to catch some snakes. Let me tell you, because exposing sin is what leads to repentance. You remember David, he had he'd slept with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. She got pregnant, and then he set up a situation where Uriah was literally murdered. 
He had him murdered. And so he's trying to hide this whole thing because he's trying to cover up the pregnancy, right? And then what happens? Nathan, the prophet, comes. And he tells him, listen, dude, God saw what you did. I was having a conversation with Tom Montgomery the other day on Wednesday. If you haven't got to talk to Tom, you should. He's, he's, he's pretty entertaining to talk to. But, but Tom said this to me. He was telling me his testimony. And he was talking about how he used to come to church and he used to put on a front. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tom. Just not out, just not out loud, okay? Uh, but, I'm teasing. But he, but he said that he would put a front on and he would come to church because he hated church. So he put a smile on and nobody knew anything different. He said until God finally spoke to his heart and said, I know. Because we hide it. We can, we can hide stuff. But we can't hide it from God. He sees it. Man, thank you, Lord. Number two. How to keep snakes out of your backyard. Number two is eliminate food supply. Feed your pets inside. Don't overwater your lawn. Move the bird feeder away from the house. Why? Because these things attract rodents. You know, and so how do you keep a stray cat from coming around your house? You stop feeding it. Cat won't come anymore if you stop feeding the cat, right? <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry. But some people say this. They say, but I like those cute little bunnies and the frogs in my yard. Okay, well, sometimes if you let the cute things in, the things you don't want, it attracts. They come with it. You know, pools I'm learning are are fun to have. But there's all kinds of things you find in that trap, in that filter. Found a massive hairy spider in there the other day. I was going, I don't want to stick my hand down in there. I got this little hook thing and I was pulling it up from the hook, you know, and he was dead. But I mean, you know, but, it, but, but here's what I'm saying by that is sometimes the cute thing, sometimes we look at things that, oh, that's not, that's not a big deal. That's no big deal. It's actually kind of cute. It's actually kind of funny. I kind of like that. Little do we know that letting, opening that door up enables the enemy to push it wider. Have you ever tried to, to hold a door closed when it comes this way? It's hard to do if somebody wants to get in, doesn't it? And that's what the enemy does. You give him an inch, he takes you a mile, right? <clears throat> so letting the harmless things draws the unwanted. And Jesus, where to go? Where to go? Turn over to Proverbs 4. There was this guy in, uh, well, I won't tell you where, but we were, um, we were serving on staff at a church, and, and we were doing this conference, and I had this group of men that I was working with, and they, they had asked me to be the leader over this small group. And one of the men in there, we began to talk about hugging women at church, it's a good subject, isn't it? You know, I mean, to me, I, I let the woman set the <laughs> pace. I don't, I don't like, you know. Anyway, there's correct ways to do things. Hug from the side, you know. And this guy, though, had a different perspective. He goes, oh, I don't see anything wrong with hugging a woman. A woman. And little did he know, but I knew because I worked on staff, that ladies avoided him because they didn't want to get hugged by this guy, because it was a full-on hug, you know? And he, he said, I don't see any problem with this. I don't think that it's a big deal. 
Well, little did he know that it would cause an affair to happen and cause a divorce to result out of it because he couldn't let go of wanting to hug women. Wow. Where am I at here? Proverbs. I had you turn over to Proverbs. Proverbs 4, verse 23. And this has to do with number three. Seal off the entrance. Seal off the entrance is number three. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. I found this snake fence, and I thought it was interesting. Um, this is a snake fence, that, and it's only about... Did we have that video? And it's only about a foot tall. And so this is a copperhead coming. And I want you to watch this because this fence... Um, he won't go through it. If he can't go under it and he can't push through it, he's not able to get around the fence. And so our heart, we need a snake heart for our fence or for a snake fence for our heart, don't we? <laughs> for our fence, oh, whatever that is. And so, and so what does that fence need to be over? Your eyes. In your ears. These are the inlets. This is how stuff is able to get into our heart. It's through our eyes. It's through our ears. And so we have the ability to turn it off. I, I never forget, I was at a person's house and they had the TV on and they said, oh, I hate that show. And they just let it play in the background. And I thought, the clicker's on the table right here. I say, you want me to take care of that for you? Gone. I don't have to watch it. Well, I just turn the television on for noise. Well, worship music is noise. It's a different kind of noise. It's an atmosphere. And it sets an atmosphere. You know, when my mom was in the hospital and she had a massive heart attack, we brought a CD player, CD with worship music. We played it 24-7, all day, all night. Why? We were trying to change the atmosphere in that hospital and build faith in that room. Well, why not build faith instead of just having noise on? I can open my window and get some noise. Get the cows mooing out there. We have a donkey in the distance, you know? I mean, that's noise. Okay. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting personal now, aren't I? All right. So your eyes, your ears. Turn over to Matthew 18. Let's read another scripture about eyes and ears. Matthew 18, verse 9. Jesus said... If your eye causes you, or another word could be seduces you, to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than, uh, rather than to have two eyes and be cast in to hell. That Greek word is interesting. That Greek word for the word um, causes or seduces is the same Greek word where we get our, our word scandal. So it means to entice, to sin, to offend, or to set a trap, to set a trap. So Jesus is using an obvious figure of speech here when he instructs us to pluck out the eye or to, or to cut off the hand. It's a metaphor, and the metaphor is clear. It means that we are to end every evil habit that leads us into destruction. It's time for a purge. Isn't it? So number four, use an effective repellent. I didn't know it until I'd, I'd killed two innocent 
black snakes, I'm sorry. <laughs> King snakes or rat snakes, whatever you want to call them. I mean, they, were, they, they, they do a good thing, and I know they're good for the ecosystem. I didn't know. It's a snake. And my family screaming at me, kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it. <laughs> and my mom came out, and she said, you don't belong here. That snake does not belong here. And I just went, okay. And so... These poor snakes, you know, I, I killed these snakes, and I know, I know they, were, they were good, but I, I didn't, anyway. But I found out later that if you just take the water hose and you just spray them with water, they'll leave. And I didn't know that. And I was like, oh, man, it's a good repellent. And so we need that in our own life, right? Again, you're manicuring your garden. You're keeping your garden all clean. Why? So that when you see the serpent coming, you can spray him with the washing of the water of the word because he doesn't want to be clean. He doesn't want to be clean. I'm telling you, when we put the word in, it pushes sin out. It pushes the desire for sin out. You know, we feed sometimes. We come here and what? We're in here for a couple hours, hour and a half, two hours at the most. And and we get fed the word, we, we spend time with Jesus. But if we go home and we live in another culture and our input is opposite, contrary to the word of God on a consistent basis, then you, you're gonna have more faith in that than you do in Jesus. I mean, that's just how it happens. And, and so we have a responsibility to guard our heart, to take care of our garden, to keep out the serpents that try to take over in our garden. Okay, one more scripture and then I'm done. I'm going to ask Rebecca to come. Ephesians 5.26, actually two. Just, Ephesians 5.26 says this. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of the water of the word. That's what I was talking about. <clears throat> so when the word comes... It's going to make all the difference, but we, we have to be diligent ourselves. My, uh, my grandfather, my mom's dad, his name is Arthur, and uh, when he was alive, he was a Lyon County farmer. Lyon County farmers uh, are the tough guys. These are the guys that lived out. I mean, it was a 30-minute drive on gravel to get to their farm out there. And I remember it as a kid, and I remember even as a kid having to use the outhouse because they didn't have bath, they didn't have bathroom yet. That's a, that's exciting for a young kid. Look down in there, you always wonder what in the world's down in there. <laughs> you know, sorry, I was a kid. But uh, anyway, and I even got I even got the bath in the wash tub, you know, with Grandma Inez scrubbing me with that brush and taking my skin off. Got good exfoliation, you know, and plus you're freezing, you know. But, but I remember my grandpa one time. I was a, I was a little guy. I was probably three, four. I'm not very good at age because sometimes I guess wrong. But I was about this old, probably around there. And I came. I was outside playing on the farm. There was a lot of stuff to play with, you know, stuff that grandpa and grandma didn't want you playing with. But you know, you were climbing on it having a good time. And I came running around the cellar. Remember the old cellar? They had the hump in the ground and there was the door and that was where grandma kept all of her canned goods because she canned all the time. And I came running around and I remember my dad grabbed me by the shirt and he jerked me to the side. And I heard this hideous rattling sound. And there was a rattlesnake coiled up on a rock sitting right behind that cellar. 
and I didn't know it was there. And my dad grabbed me and I was just standing there and he's holding me. And I watched Grandpa Arthur and Grandpa Arthur was not a big guy. I mean, he probably came up to here on me, but he grabbed this piece of wood and he walked over to that rattlesnake and he just smashed it. And I just went, wow. And I watched the blood, you know, and this rattlesnake was no more. What was wrong? That rattlesnake didn't have a place on his farm. And it certainly didn't have a place around his family. And so sometimes I see Christians and I see a toleration of sin. And sometimes there's a toleration because it's hidden so deep. We've allowed the overgrowth to happen to where, you know, the Bible talks about your heart being calloused. That when you don't obey your conscience, that your conscience gets seared. And the only thing I can associate it to, because I, I play guitar and is calluses on your fingers. Because if you've never played guitar and you play, you know, especially acoustic guitar with steel strings, you know, that play it, played it until my fingers bled thing, that's a true thing. You know, I remember playing guitar. I remember I got a paper cut one time. Oh, man, you're trying to play and you're crying, you know, or in the cold or whatever. But I'm saying that your heart, sorry, side trip, your heart gets calloused when you choose to ignore sin. And what needs to happen? We need to allow God to take that heart of stone, he calls it, and allow him to give us again a heart of flesh to where we're sensitive. Things begin to bug us. My heart gets convicted when I watch a movie and somebody else says, ooh, didn't you hear that curse word? And I'm like, wow, I can't believe that just, I became calloused. And that convicted my heart. I said, man, I need to turn this off. I don't want that getting on the inside of me. I don't, I wanna be watchful over what I allow in my eyes and in my ears. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.